cult podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence and is not recommended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Seriously. If you like our podcast, follow us on Instagram at cult podcast or follow us on Twitter at cult podcast show for show updates. And please rate and review our show on iTunes. If you've been in a cult and you want to tell us about it, email us at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And most importantly, enjoy the show. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require monetary or physical sacrifices as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organization in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us again, we have... Andrea Cassetta! Yay! Yay! And it is Armando's week! It is! Hey, everybody, it's my week. It's a whole week of me. So here's what we're doing. You're going to study my life, and there will be a test at the end of it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Fun joke times. All right, so here's the deal. We're doing something a little different this week in that we are covering technically... Two different cults, but they are two cults that exist in the same realm of cultitude, if that makes sense. Uh, today we are covering the cargo cults of Vanuatu. Uh, my pronunciation probably sucks on some of these things because I am uncultured swine. <laughs> so, uh, first and foremost, let's get the sources out of the way. The sources for today's episode are pretty short. Uh, ABC News, uh, a documentary that the BBC Network did some time ago. Um, funny enough, An Idiot Abroad, <laughs> the show, Ricky Gervais' show, Metro, The Daily Mail, and culteducation.com. Com. Ooh, Rick Ross in the house. Rick Ross. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, a special shout out to, uh, we had help from our research assistant slash cult podcast intern, Danielle. Shouts out, Danielle. What up, Danny? Uh, so let's get into it. The reason we're covering multiple cults is because the term that we are dealing with here is cargo cult. A cargo cult is a millennarian movement first described in Melanesia. So, millennialism is... That's what we call dating in this crazy world of L.A. (laughs) No. No, it's... (laughs) It is a response to the way that things are going in the area that they are. For example, these are a response to something that happens to the people that live in this area... Just like Christianity was a response to Judaism and everything happening at the time. It's just kind of taking new information and feeding it new explanations and creating a different movement that changes based on what is going on around you at the time. I mean, kind of in the same way that we got a lot of doomsday cults during the Cold War. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's that's where these things pop up. So it's just a product of these two cultures mixing at a specific time. Yeah. That creates similar situations across different areas. Yeah. Okay. A thing that I've been getting into recently, um, thank God it's not more white. (laughs) It is uh, what the soil needs to be for a cult to sprout up if that makes sense yeah this is this is really interesting and it's one of these things that's i'm gonna give you a warning now it's gonna start off pretty sad (laughs) yeah but it does get better well i would say that's the case for a lot of things yeah. You know, these being are, in a cult, these being are, gay in high school, <laughs> <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> yeah. 
I can't relate. Uh, I was never in a cult in high school. I was fat in high school, which meant I hung out with all the kids that were gay in high school. Oh, hell yeah. I was also fat in high school, but I've slowly realized, I've seen pictures of myself in high school, and I was like, God, I wasn't that fat. What happened? I know. No, I like, high school was my slimmest at one point. Yeah. Like, my junior year of high school was the skinniest I've ever been, and I was still, like, devastatingly upset at how fat I was. (laughs) A big problem for me is I was like, why am I so fat? And then I looked back on it like a couple of days ago and I was like, oh, I was just a football player. Okay. (laughs) I was just a big old man. Boy. Um, (laughs) So the cargo cults of Vanuatu is kind of a sad story. Melanesia is this place that is uh, a grouping of islands in, I believe, Oceania, which is this like region of islands right off of Australia okay. area. Um, and this is where a lot of the uh, indigenous people, uh, aboriginals and, and, the, and the like, are from this place. Um, And a lot of these people could be classified as essentially, uh, like, black people. Um, They don't view them... Classified as black. (laughs) They are thrown in there by white colonialists. Okay, okay. But they also don't necessarily view themselves as black in the way that we view black people. They are islanders as opposed to Africans. Yes. And they... They just happen to also have dark skin. Yeah, exactly. They are treated like black people, but they are aware of the differences in their own cultures. Essentially what happened is back in the day, uh, Australia found something really lucrative. Sugar canes. As as many island and tropical climates do. Yeah. Same in Hawaii, um, even parts of South America as well. And this is back when, before it was, I believe before it was Australia, it was more uh, Queensland. Colony? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a little after that. This Queensland is, just, is part of Australia still. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it was before, I think, Australia became a big grouping. This was sort of the part I was unclear on because uh, a lot of the records from this time are not clear for reasons that will become obvious with the next few <laughs> sentences. Prejudice. Gotcha. If you're from Australia, tell us. I know we have some. Yeah. So if, this is, if you're in Australia and you're like, oi, 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 let us know. If that didn't make you shut off the podcast forever, please come and tell us what we're doing wrong. Yeah. Other than just yelling obscenities uh, and about kangaroos Mm. and about dingoes. Hey, it ate that lady's baby. It really did that. (laughs) Lady lost a kid. Yeah. It's not a laughing matter, guys. A dingo ate my baby. Okay. All right. Okay. A baby ate my dingo. I know my poor dingo. All right. Uh, They found something lucrative, which was uh, the sugar canes. And this is the way that it's been explained. And and something that we talked about off air is that the records for a lot of these cults or religions or groups of people is difficult to track because the way that they keep records are orally. They tell stories. They show you what happened using, like, actors to portray it in their own, like, uh, village. They cradle the balls. Yeah. (laughs) Stroke the shaft. Yeah, exactly. Got it. They're they're just like, uh, here's how I'm going to tell you this story, and then they suck you off. Right, right. Yeah, it's great. Oh, that sounds way better than a story. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I have personally decided that I will be flying. (laughs) (laughs) And getting oral history from each and every village. Oh, God. <laughs> Just to make sure I have the whole story. Oh, God. Um, but it is, it's, not, it's not so much of a written history. And so an interesting thing happens where myths can be built or things can change over time depending on who is seen as essentially like the record keeper. So some of these things change. And uh, But I'm using a mix of what I've learned from interviews of the people as well as uh, what we do know about what happened. So the sugar canes. Here's the thing. It's really hard to farm those kinds of things. It's very hard work. But Australia did this thing where they went and made slavery illegal. 
Aww, said Australians at the time. Yay, says anyone with a brain now. Right. So here's the thing. They were like, well, we'll make the Aborigines do it. But eventually people were like, well, that's not right. This is a right. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. I wasn't wasn't expecting it. It was great. I started the sentence and then I said it and made myself laugh. (laughs) Um, They... They after that they did it with uh, Chinese people too as well. That's very similar with Hawaii as well. Exactly, mm-hmm. and eventually that was deemed not right as well for again obvious reasons. So then they came up with a genius idea. What they would do is they would go around and they would find savage people from savage un cultured lands and savage is their language not yeah i'm not calling (laughs) no it is not the cult podcast opinion that anyone is a savage they viewed these people as savages yeah the only the only people we view as savage is somebody who does a sick roast and these were not roast battlers these were people just trying to live a life yeah 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 and uh, so they would go and they would find these people and they would offer them work and pay and clothing and food and a new home and a new life. But here's the thing. No one spoke the same language. The deal that they were offered was not completely understood. The people were often tricked into getting on the boat and sometimes in violent methods. Essentially, slavery was happening, and this is known as blackbirding. This is something that happened for many years, and there are records that state about fifty to 60,000 people were taken from their homes, Dang. many of which died en route to yeah, working. Yeah. Why is it and called blackbirding? I am not sure. Okay. Um, I'm sure that it's something horrible <laughs> and racist. Probably. Yeah, but the thing is, is the is the way that the records of history portray this part is so upsetting to me that while researching this, I had to stop and take breaks because of how awful it was. They refused to call what happened slavery. It's they definitely call, slavery. Indentured servitude at the very least. But that's slavery, what they call it. Yeah. They don't call it slavery. They call yeah. this horrible atrocity against other human beings. Yeah. They call it indentured servitude because it makes them feel better. Well, yeah, because they were tech, quote, air quotes, paid. Yeah. Really, they didn't understand what they were getting into, and if, if they did, they probably wouldn't have gone. If they survived, exactly both ways, uh, then then and then the work, then yeah, right. I but mean, it w- when they were tr- being transported, were they given livable conditions? Or? No, yeah, no. Many of them died so on the it's way. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it is slavery. slavery. It's slavery with a different word. And then there were things put in place to make sure that it wasn't slavery. They had government official uh, government officials who would go with the ships that were quote-unquote recruiting, and that's also what they call it. They call it recruiting. They would go out and recruit with them to make sure that the means that they were uh, recruiting these people were morally right, and also everyone was understanding of the deal that they were getting. But oftentimes these people were easily bribed or drunk off their ass all the time. Right. So... And there was also reports that the more people you recruit to get over is means the more bonuses you get. So, so they would trick people. Yeah, they're incentivized to turn a blind eye and not give a shit and basically make money. So this would happen, and um, it's this awful thing that happened. And it was it was this way that they circumvented, essentially. Uh, the laws that they had put in place to become better people, and it's lying to yourself if you yeah. think this is better. Right. Um, and this was, I, I found in this amazing BBC documentary about cargo cults, I found uh, a great explanation of how things were beforehand. And this is cut down as well as some parts are paraphrased just for time because it's a very long story if this is interesting to you i definitely recommend listening to the bbc or watching the bbc documentary um it's very good we'll put a link somewhere at some point so this is a chief of one of the villages uh talking about the time that they lived in 
We made our axes from flints and the bark of the breadfruit tree. We hunted the black hawks, cockatoos, and even the pigeons. Before we learned to plant our land, the forest provided everything for us. Nuts and berries, breadfruit, leaves, and ferns. All our needs were satisfied, and we wanted for nothing. And as we wanted for nothing, all women and men were equal, and there was no strife. This was the time of the Nepro, or as we call it, Utopia. It was a time where we invented the world. And our time was not like your time. Our time was measured by flowers and the coming of birds. A man's age was not measured in years, but in growth and ripeness. And then you found us. Mm. And they talk about this thing where um, a powerful quote that I saw was, the white man comes and the white man has power. And it's unlike power that we've known before. Because the white man's power has to be fought for and maintained. And the white man carries weapons that kill in a way that we've never seen before. And the white man has things that no man could have ever made. And it's this thing where... This is where we're getting into the millennialism of uh, the call and response sort of thing. These people had lived their lives in a way that was fine almost a parallel between the garden of eden in their eyes they truly didn't want anything more than to survive and to be happy and they felt like the forest provided for them and they didn't they didn't see things the same way that we did and these people came and they had advanced so much mm -hmm. the 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 colonialists had come and they had um factories to make stuff and they had all of these things, all of these things that no man could have ever made because, like they said, they're making their axes from the trees and from right. the rocks. So they, they, everything they have comes from the land and they come with these things that are impossible to have been made by the forest. Right. And they don't understand it, so they see these people as gods. And then they have something that is almost unthinkable. Cargo. Because they see it as the white man needs something. And instead of hunting it or instead of building it, he writes it down on a piece of paper. And within a few days, a giant ship the size of a village will come and send giant loads of cargo. And anything that he wants or needs is at his disposal. He has food he doesn't need to hunt for, clothing, anything that he wishes for he can get just like that. And it's something that they never understood, but that they wanted the secret to. And this is where people use this against them. And they said, we'll teach you the secret if you come with us. Mm. And this is how they took them. And they also, um, they basically, uh, after that happened, after that happened and they came back, that's when the missionaries came. The missionaries who had heard of these cannibals, these savages that live out there, and they come and they say, you're living wrong, and you're naked, and that's not good, and you have to wear these clothing, and they have cargo too. So they, this was something that I saw in the BBC documentary, is they, one village basically has a story where they say, well, we never learned the secret, and we think the secret is in their book. So we take their book and we learn their ways, the Bible, mm -hmm. we learn their ways, but the, the most devilish trick is they take us and they take who we are and we're no longer the same people and they must have taken out the secret because we still don't know the secret. Right. And it's this horrible feeling of you're changing a culture and that's all they had. All they wanted was to be who they were and they've changed and even now they wear clothing and they're treated like shit. Well, they got adopted into a culture where they're less than. Exactly. Well, and so, there's, there's no other way it could have been because there's such a disconnect between the cultures. Exactly. Like, e even if they had been accepted as equals, they are equals in a society that they will never understand or at least they're not totally easily understand. Yeah. They are completely unprepared for it. Yeah. They're, I mean... Christopher Columbus was trying to get to India to trade spices. Right. But when these people were found, they weren't looking to trade anything. They were looking for labor. And they also didn't have anything that these people, that the colonialists would have wanted. You know? Right, right. They have nothing. This is not my opinion, but they had nothing of value 
to them at the time uh, aside from slavery aside from yeah aside from and um, instead of just leaving them be they took advantage of it exactly and they took them and they brought them back even and then the missionaries came and they changed them and they talked about uh these people who came with cameras and they photographed them um they documented their heights their weights uh they documented them in their warrior poses they took pictures of their young women and they were able to see that this was wrong and upsetting and they made movies about them um, where they portrayed them as cannibals and savages and monsters and so people came and tried to look at these people and it, it just got worse and worse throughout the years and this this kept going and um the cults that we're talking about today come from that but they come from uh one island the island of Tana, T-A-N-N-A, uh, Vanuatu. And we're covering both of them. And the first one is the cult of John Frum. John Frum. John, J-O-H-N, Frum, F-R-U-M. So a lot of these a lot of these cults follow a similar thing that some apocalyptic uh, groups have which is the the story of a savior you Mm -hmm. know at at its core christianity is sort of an apocalyptic cult saying that eventually the time will end but jesus will come back and that will be the savior for those who follow the religion and it's a very similar model that we see literally throughout history in so many religions exactly the thought of a savior coming is 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 a common uh trope in most beliefs and so this was no other one and a lot of these groups had a story of a great warrior who had left to fight for the culture and would have and promised to come back with riches and and supplies and everything to give them the secret and to save them and that's when u.s troops landed there with medicine food and other supplies and they saw it as them helping out a third world country but one of the villages in Tana saw them as the returning of one of the Americans they may have met before, which is John Frum. He's saying John Frum, John from America. Oh. So John Frum, they believed he would come back. And when the American troops came with supplies, they saw it as he being the person that came back. But this is more than that because the Americans came at a different time. The Americans came with troops and even afterwards too that they came with troops that weren't just white. They came with people that were white and black. And they were equals to each other, at least in the military sense. They were both, you know, they were both doing something. And so this was the first time that when the Americans came, they came with gifts. They came with gifts and they said, no, you stay here. We're here to help you. And they learned about the culture of the people and they embraced it. And they they asked questions and they made efforts to communicate and they treated them as equals and they learned their names, which is a huge thing that I learned from watching an interview with one guy where he says, uh, they never call you your name. They call you boy. They say, you boy. Hey, boy. Come here, boy. And the Americans came, and what they did was they learned their names, they learned their culture, and they essentially helped helped them become uh, self-sustaining after being introduced to a culture that they couldn't survive in. And it's crazy because you learn about these people who don't speak English, and they learn all these things about American culture. And there's something that I want to play for you, which is... um, he, he's a musician, or he became a musician, and he talks about meeting the, uh, the black people that live there. And that was the, the Negroes song. You'd hear it everywhere. I really like the song, and I really like the Negroes. They also sang this song, Way Down Upon the Swinging River. I'll, uh, I'll try and play that one. We down upon the Swanee River, far, far away. That's 
where my heart is standing never far from the old folks at home I'm sad and weary Everywhere I roam Oh, dark is how my heart grows weary Far from the old folks at home Oh, the world I'm sad and weary Everywhere I roam Oh, dark is how my crows weary Far from the old folks at home One of the interesting things that he talks about, and again, the words and, and phrases that we use are not... <laughs> the way that we think or act, but I'm, I'm quoting what he said, is he, he, he says specifically, uh, this is a song that the Negroes would sing, and that he really liked the Negroes, saying that, because they saw them as different. This was the first time that people came and they said, no, I'm black, and you have dark skin, but we are different, but we are also the same. We are just different people. And so they respected them and they cared for them and they gave them, they like taught them music and they gave them gifts and they defended them and they helped them as much as they could. And so that grew into um, what it is now, which is the cult of John Frum, the John Frum movement. Basically, they took our patriotism as a reason to reject Christianity and its oppressive qualities and made a religion out of the white men who brought the magic of America to their island, and they continue to await their return. So they, they even have a holiday called John Frum Day on February 15th where they kind of like emulate the 4th of July if that makes any How sense funny. it's it's essentially they found Americans were the first people to be nice to them and and follow through with their prophecy and they left without taking any of them and they were they they really um, just showed the compassion that humanity has to offer when we when we're in a time where we all want to help each other and it changed them and they rejected um, the religion that was forced upon them and they were able to what's kind of ironic is part of the tenets of this movement is to reject western civilization and westernization because they took America's freedom and America's teaching of being your yourself and saying well then well then fuck that religion bullshit we're going to go back to what we used to believe in and be who we are and so some of them wear clothing still some of them wear the more traditional garb but they've gone back to who they want who they once were because they now believe that America is out there defending their right to protect their culture Interesting. Mm -hmm. hmm. So that's John Frum, and uh, here's a, there's also a second one in the same island. This one had come up a couple times, and it is fascinating. I'm yeah. excited to hear about it. It is the Prince Philip movement, uh, which worships Philip Mountbatten or Philip Duke of Edinburgh and husband and consort of Queen Elizabeth II as a divine being. What? They they worship. The husband of the Queen of <laughs> yes. England. Yes. And they worshipped him because they also had a sort of prophecy type deal where they believed that um, a great warrior left to defend the culture so that they could go back to being who they were. And he promised to return married to a powerful, rich, and specifically white wife. And when they heard and saw. <laughs> The Prince Philip, when he came to visit them and gave, uh, supposedly he gave one of them a uh, a pig, like, to eat. Like, he gave them something, but he was giving them to multiple people. And he gave it to one of the villagers, and they were like, 
it is a sign. He has returned. <laughs> he just went back and told everyone about Prince Philip. And he's since just become a god in their eyes. And it's become amazing because they've visited England. People from that village have come and met him, and they love him. He's met with them a couple times. Yeah, yeah. he regularly will send them autographed pictures, and they'll just have them on display at all times. My favorite thing is when you Google this organization, one of the first pictures that comes up is a group of people standing on what looks like a shore, like as if the picture was taken as somebody was flying by or sailing by and they have what look like picket signs and they're just giant pictures of prince philip yeah that's adorable yeah. it's amazing it's because prince philip is somebody that also came and treated them with respect and treated them fairly and nicely and also gave them something and fit the description right of one of their myths so i have a question how is this a cult and not just a religion um, the thing is, is classified as a cult because they indoctrinate their youth into believing this thing that is not necessarily true and can very easily be proven false. Um, but it's more of a state of being. It's more of a movement and a way of life for them. But it's, it's sort of like, it seems like the older people in the movements treat it like religion should be. Like, they're metaphors and allegories for the way that you should live your life and not necessarily the way that things are factually. Kind of like, what would Prince Philip do? Exactly. Well, how, I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, like, how is that different you could classify from... it as a new religious movement. Yeah. Because yeah. to me, it sounds more like, because the, you don't have any sort of, like, abuse of power by leaders and you're not having... Kind of the things that we typically so focus on with cults. This is one of the bad sides and one of the reasons why we have that fancy, fancy intro is because cults are not the most defined thing in the world. Cults are not always bad, just as cults are not always good. And sometimes we've covered things that can be categorized as cults or art movements, depending on who you ask. That's true. We did cover an art movement one time. Yeah. And so there's also times where I've agreed with cults. And this is one that I agree with full-heartedly. Because all they want to do is preserve their culture. And here's the funnest part. I watched An Idiot Abroad where they went and I found other stuff to support this. So they introduce, um, they introduce Carl to the chief but he's not just introduces the chief they say uh this is albi the greatest dancer and the chief of the village and he, he quantifies it by saying he is the happiest man in the village Aww. and all he does is smile the whole time and not like one of those fake smiles but like he's genuinely just happy to be there and be hanging out That's awesome. and he they love prince philip and on the ride over carl takes out um some prince philip memorabilia like him on a coin mm -hmm. um him on some magazines and they give it to the chief and the chief is so happy he shows it off to the camera and then hugs Carl and is just so happy and when they get to his village they do this thing where um, they dance and he said they say dancing around this is how we become happy it's all about happiness this is how we become happier we dance we sing we clap our hands we stomp our feet makes us feel happy and that's their whole thing is whenever you feel not happy, tell somebody and then everyone comes together and becomes happy and they just sing and dance and they love each other and that's all they want. And the greatest, the man with the most power is, is the, the happiest dancer. man, <laughs> the greatest dancer. Imagine if you will, if we were like, oh, we need somebody to rule our country and then all of a sudden. The Bruno, White House. It was just Neo, Bruno the Mars, white, the White Bruno House. Mars, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I ruined no, it. Okay, fine. go ahead. It's the White House at night, and a van pulls up, and out of it comes, pops out the Jabberwockies. Oh <laughs> my God! Yeah. And they're just like, we're taking over this bitch. That's how happy we here's, are. Here's the thing, though. Think about this back through history, and like who would have ruled in the past. Like, Michael Jackson would have ruled right, the country totally. for, like, 10 oh, yeah. years totally. in the 90s. You can put your shamoni on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very troubling. And then, 
Well, no, Michael Jackson would have run the country from like the 70s to the 90s, like back in like Jackson 5 days, all the way current. He would have just been a child and then he would have been trying to make decisions and his horrible father would have hit him for anything. And before that, it would have been probably like Elvis, maybe, or Chubby Checker. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, Elvis stole all of his policies from a child Forrest Gump, so. There you go, yeah. In Forrest Gump, he steals the dance. Andrea looked at me very confused because I forget she probably hasn't seen every movie that ever existed. And now I've made her feel bad. Okay. I mean, what do you think President Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly would have done? Uh, Well, the other thing is... This is a very interesting thing to think about. Is there's two qualities. So you can't just be the greatest dancer. You You have have to to be be the happiest man. Or person, really. <laughs> or person. Who is the happiest man that's also a great dancer? That's um, why my vote was Bruno Mars. Bruno yeah. Mars is he a good pool. All he wants happy. to do is sing and have fun and do cocaine. That's all Bruno <laughs> Mars. <laughs> Fucking thrilled as hell. Yeah, he's as you can see man. from his boner, and most times he's just singing his heart out. He is. What about that guy that's on Ellen's show, Twist? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that's like the resident. He was in Magic Mike for a Yeah, while? yeah, yeah. Channing Tatum would be our ruler. Oh, oh my god. god. I'm because fine with this. Yes. I'm okay with Charming Potato ruling the country. Because he's happy <laughs> and a dancer. <laughs> Channing Tatum. Uh, President Channing Tatum. Uh, I guess I could have just called you President Tatum. Uh, why did you call us here to this meeting? And he gets up there and he's just like, I just wanted to say everybody... My name Yef. Ah, I'm still doing it. Still the best. I'm the greatest. <laughs> and then he just fucking moonwalks out of there. Oh man. Ah, it's great. It is. This made me. So I went through so much stuff on slavery that it made me cry. And then I saw they just. He was just like, I'm the happiest man. And there's pictures of him, and he's just so happy. He's just so pleased to be there. I feel like I have logistical questions for controlling a society based on dance, but at the same time, <laughs> not not enough logistical questions that I don't also want to join. Yeah, I might join because it just seems so great. They lie also there and be like, it kind of has brought you four loco. Let us <laughs> well, it's like if cheer that's good camp... for both of those things, happiness and dancing. Yeah. It's like if Cheer Camp was an island. Oh. No, 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 no. Because they have to be actually happy. Oh. Take that, cheerleaders. No, Roast it. So they explain, after the dancing, they explain to uh, Carl, and this is one of the funniest things in that entire episode, the way that Carl explains uh, the group. He, he says... He basically came here once, speaking about Prince Philip, he basically came here once, and since he came here, problems went away. So they worship him. I don't know if Philip did sort it out, although I've never known him to sort anything out. (laughs) But you've got to have a hobby, I guess. (laughs) Oh my god. And it's great. And this is... This is sort of evident of of the mixing of great warriors and legends into um, things that are believed to be part of your religion. Like, the volcano is by them. They have a volcano next to them called the Yasa Volcano. It is believed to have used to be a very angry man who left and basically became one with the earth, and now he's a volcano. And so... They also worship the volcano. Another fun thing is that they go to the volcano and he asks if he can throw stuff in there. And they go, no. And he goes, well, then what's the point? (laughs) Which is true. I mean, I get that. But it's, I mean, the thing is, 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 is these are so interesting because they are things that come from the way that people observe stuff. And they don't quite understand how it works. And so they think that they they attribute it, they mix in what they already know and believe 
with the new information and they create something else entirely. So the cult of John Frum is a bunch of people who saw the niceness of Americans at the time and used it as a way to return to what they used to be. If only we could be that nice now. I yeah. know, right? Yeah, they definitely wouldn't approve of America. And when you're state. like, America was nice to them, I was like, that's new for us. Yeah. <laughs> we don't normally do that. Our president currently would call them a shithole village. Oh, so. boo. Nah. Well, His hotels are shitholes. <laughs> I've never been. Uh, I just know that hair. I was submitting a packet for SNL at the same time as the election, and one of the news stories that came out is he had just opened a new hotel in D.C., mm-hmm. and people kept finding dead birds trapped in parts of the hotel. Ah! <laughs> it was pretty great. It's extra funny because, like... Uh, in a lot of like myths, like a dead bird is like an it's a bad omen. Yeah, and so it's just like this whole hotel is full of evil. Yeah, you think they were just trying to find his hair because they thought it was a sexy bird. Oh no, or a they sexy thought it was nest. a mess. Ooh, sexy. <laughs> like I know I left my eggs somewhere. Is it Guys, on the top saw... of that horrible human? <laughs> I saw the perfect nest. You're not gonna. It's the best nest. You're not gonna. It's believe. the best <laughs> nest ever. Elton John could never have a nest like this. <laughs> it's a fine gold. <laughs> Which, by the way, Elton John will always be the lead record holder in my heart. As the happiest man? I I like Elton John. Happiest I don't know what his dancing man? skills are like. Well, he plays piano, so... Hold me closer, tiny dancer. That, so would Tony Danza be <laughs> Hold our leader? Hold me closer, Tony Danza. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please do, Tony. If you're listening. Tony, I know you're listening out there. That's my new favorite thing, is accusing celebrities of being fans. I listened to the last episode while I was editing it, and I said it to Genuine. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Who was the other one? Uh, uh, genuine. I and thought it was Wheezy. No, it was uh, Gen- Wheezy F. Baby. Wheezy F. Baby. It was. It was Lil Wayne yeah. and Genuine. It might have been same, the same two episode. people that I was like, I fucking know you listen, dog. Oh, man. That's great. I, uh... Yeah, it's these things are evident throughout the villages in um, in the same region and other places where this has happened. Some of them are not as intense, and some of them are things that uh, make sense in a way. Like one of the things that I read about a different type of cargo cult is there's villages of people where they f- saw aircrafts land in airstrips when they brought the medicine and food. So what they did was they made airstrips. They just created airstrips and then airplanes started landing there when they needed to stop. And as a thank you, they would give them gifts. Uh And so they realized, oh, if we make airstrips, cargo will come. So now they do stuff like that. It's not as religious, but it's, it's this mix of what you know and something that you don't know. And it's... It feels like magic, but it's very logical. Exactly. Yeah. It's very interesting. It would be, imagine if tomorrow, not today, because I have so much stuff to do, but, <laughs> but tomorrow, you just, we, aliens come to us, and they have all of this technology that we have no way of understanding how any of it works. It would seem insane to us, and we wouldn't even begin to understand, and we would be aware that those people are better than us because they have stuff that we can't even do. But imagine if instead of coming down and pushing us in their ships and taking us with them, they came and they were like, oh, but you have so much culture. You have stuff that we don't know about. Teach us your ways. Here, give them the gifts. Teach us your ways. All we want to know is about you. I think that we would kind of see them as our savior, you know? Well, it's, I mean, like, it's almost as if, like, you dated a bad boyfriend and he was Mm -hmm. shitty to you. And then you guys broke up and you met a new guy who treated you great. And all of a sudden you're like... Well, this is wonderful. Fuck everyone else. Of course I'm going to stay with this person. They treat me awesome. It's, it is and when the bar is slavery... Uh... Yeah, when the bar is slavery, <laughs> then if you just, like, you know, bring flowers once... No, yeah. but, but I mean, Kill essentially, it. like, when, when your bar is, like, a dude that was cheating on you and mean and abusive, and then someone comes along and is like, let me take you to dinner, and we'll talk, and I'll hear your thoughts... That's what we're dealing with. I once went on a date with a girl who said, 
I like that you smell good. Do you realize how low the bar has to be for a huge thing for this person to just be like, you you don't smell like shit, you know? It's, it's, that's, yeah. So, I mean, if your ex-boyfriend made you cut sugar canes for a bunch of years. <laughs> and and you died on the way to do so. Yeah, and then your the your next boyfriend was like, "Tell me about your day." Yeah, exactly. No, that's yeah. exactly what it is. So, it's that's what it is and it's it's crazy. And it's something that not every cult comes from necessarily rebellion. It some of them come from Basically, just a better opportunity. Saviors come. People come. And the missionaries did not do a very good job of converting people because what they did was they said, no, you're wrong. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So you have stuff like this that arises. Well, I think this is the same as with any cult that we cover, Mm -hmm. where it's someone is looking for something and they find it in a cult. Yeah. Someone is looking to be treated better or someone is looking for a community or some sort of enlightenment and they find it in a cult and it can be good or bad in this case i would say it's good that they they were able to return to the way that they were but in a lot of cases it's not good you know mm-hmm. yeah that's question it. it's interesting yeah, yeah question this, everything. Is, this is better because i like that they use it as a way to get back to who they were because in their minds the great warriors of America and the great warrior Prince Philip are out there. And this is something that I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is something uh, the legend told of a warrior who left Hannah to fight for indigenous culture and promised to return with a rich, powerful white wife. They literally, part of the legends are he's out there making sure that we can be who we are and no one will come and try and change us. Oh, so they believe that there's a savior out there for them. Yeah. Taking care of them. That's very sweet. It's very sweet. And they love it. And and I think this might be a nice place to end. They, they are aware that Prince Philip is a man. They know that he is a, a, a mortal being. And they talked with one of the people and he explained how uh, the village feels. He said, we don't want Prince Philip to die in England. We would love for him to come back, come home, and to die here. Hmm. And so no matter what happens to Prince Philip, he'll always be a savior to these people because he's made sure that they can be who they are. And they do worship him, but like I said, they don't put him... They're not saying like, oh, he... He is God. They see him as a divine being, as somebody who came and saved them and and basically was at the right place at the right time. And this all came from the fact that he took a trip and was like, hey, I have a pig. Hey, that'll do, pig. You know? <laughs> and, and then this all happened. So, huh. yeah. That are, that, that be, that, that is the cargo cults of Vanuatu. Interesting. Aww. That was I was fascinated. That's actually really sweet at the end. I was real nervous when it started off with. Lots I know of yeah. when it started off with lots of slavery. I was like, "What a bummer!" And then now I'm kind yeah. of like, "Oh, good for them." I am willing to go on the record as saying that slavery, a hundred percent of the time, has been a bit of a bummer. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Every time it is, it is awful, and it's something that I know this is going to sound ridiculously stupid, but I I have a hard time remembering that it wasn't just America because that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, is that America came and were nice to them, and black people and white people fought alongside each other, but in the past, America did something just as bad. Yeah, you know, with also the same thing. They had we took in Chinese people and made them build our fucking railroads. You know, and pick our sugar cane. Yeah, it was it was something that we did as well. We did the same shit. We also Western countries did. Yes, Germany, France, all those people. Whether or not they had slavery, the like imperialism going, like whether or not they had slavery in their own country, the imperialistic practice of going to other countries and robbing them of their natural resources and enslaving the people in those places devastated those economies for centuries so yeah, like yeah. we're all kind of complicit in the in the state of the world right now because of all that stuff yeah so. but at the same time and this is not to be like a hey good things 
No, I mean, it's it's still horrible that all of that happened, but as a result of that, we got some amazing religious changes that we've covered a couple times yeah. in the African diaspora. Like, it's we wouldn't have, you know, any of those in our, you know, white imperialist countries were it not for that exchange, but... Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... It's a mixed bag. The thing yeah. is, is it took all of this terribleness to happen, but at the end, you have a culture that values happiness over everything, and I think that's kind of great. I would Aww. love to live somewhere like that. That sounds great. Yeah. All right. Well... <sighs> Sorry about that whole bummer part at the top, but it is something that happened, and I don't think that we should do things like uh, the articles we're talking about where they call it indentured servitude. What happened was a terrible tragedy. It was slavery. It was robbing people of their homes, and all of these people wanted to do was live a life that they enjoyed. And so I felt it necessary to bring that context to what was happening, but I'm glad that you can see that things do get better and people can heal and eventually i think that we can all become one happy culture that dances and claps our hands and feet you know hooray that I would like be it. nice cool well like if you enjoyed penguins in that movie what like the penguins in the movie happy, happy feet? feet okay <laughs> i just realized the movie happy feet would technically rule our country <laughs> Just a Blu-ray copy. Not step up, take it to the streets or whatever the most recent one was. No, 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 not happy enough. That's angry dancing. I want to see. I want to see happy dancing. Got it. Penguins are Mamma Mia. Yeah. Ooh, Mamma Mia. Yeah. Well, if you enjoyed me bumming you out and then picking you back up. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M A N D O Does Stuff. Uh, if you enjoy cheese and Twin Peaks, uh, I'm Ooh. at Rampage Wesley on Instagram and at Page Wesley on Twitter. If you like my face and voice, uh, you can follow me at Sundress Comic on Instagram and Twitter. And I'll be doing a show if you live in LA this 11th. Uh, which is Wednesday, oversharing comedy, 8.30 p.m. at Boomtown Brewery. Come through. It's free, and it's really fun. We have really good comics. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those shows are always a blast. Um, if you want to send us an email, maybe with a suggestion for a cult or fan mail, or you want to send us pictures of Prince Philip, I don't care. Please Go do. Oh, my God. Please send us pictures of Prince Philip. That Every- needs to be the new meme in the group. <laughs> I declare it so. Oh, man. I love Prince Philip now. Um, Just not Prince Albert. Oh. I want I want to see what Prince Philip's Ten Commandments are, and they better be hilariously British. Oh, oh I yes. thought you were going to say you wanted to see Prince Philip with a Prince Albert. And I was oh, gonna good cry. God. Oh. I mean, I do, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, show me that 92-year-old penis. Ooh. 97, bro. Oh, do you think he calls it the dick of Edinburgh? Oh, God. Oh, no. All right. Any of these things can be sent to us via email at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or on Twitter at cultpodcastshow. Or on Instagram at cultpodcast. Or if you want to send us, like, hard copy pictures of the Dick of Edinburgh, <laughs> you can do it at 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237, like, like The, the Shining. Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. Yeah. And don't drink... The cargo? The cargo? I mean, do drink Kool-Aid. It's hot in the island. Oh, yeah. Um, I would... Don't drink anything with sugar cane in it. Yeah. There we go. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Bye.